Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. 
And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I am thrilled to be here for some news and some cues. The news stands for news, and the cues stands for questions for now until we just go uh, wild and make it stand for something different. Uh, maybe just, again, uh, sounds for, sounds, uh, is a cue from Star Trek. I, I, I may have said that before in my life, but uh, maybe we can analyze cue. And, yeah. Uh, just do it here in Force Center. What if it was news in Quay Toll site? Every episode we talked about the freshest Star Wars news and then just revisited the character Quay Toll site. You know, that'd be one of those quirky little podcasts that would suddenly have a million <laughs> viewers and listeners and everything. Uh, do you listen to the Quay Toll site podcast? It's just Quay Toll site. Just, just review his few minutes of screen time again and again. I prefer going deep into the themes of Star Wars, but you know what? I, I also just appreciate Quay Toll site. So there you go. Uh, We got a big show coming up here today. Before we really get into that uh, and our uh, business that we love to handle up top, uh, I want to say this episode is uh, dedicated to the memory of a friend of our show uh, and a man who became a friend of myself too, uh, Zach Bassinger, who uh, uh, was a previous guest actually on uh, Star Wars, uh, um, Spotlight Star Wars here. Uh, I'm going to talk at the end of the show, like we always do, about uh, charities and places to maybe focus your heart this week. Uh, there's a GoFundMe set up uh, for Zach's family because Zach, unfortunately, uh, passed away uh, December 27th. And I got the word from his brother. And Zach and I had uh, formed a little friendship after it reached out. Um, actually, not even reached out, just tweeted uh, something uh, very um uh, kind and supportive uh, for us uh, here at Force Center and uh, struck up a friendship with him. And he had been battling uh, cancer with all of his life and all of his heart and all of his soul and uh, passed away. And I want to dedicate this episode to him at the end of the episode, if you all don't mind sticking around, talk a little bit about uh, him and uh, some of his thoughts on Star Wars and let you all know where you can uh, maybe help uh, his wife and mother and uh, surviving family members who, who gave their all to support him uh, in the last uh, couple years, but also a battle that's been going on for over 10 years. So uh, I always hate to start uh, with somber stuff, but also I I think in it being sad and somber, there's also great hope. Uh, There's light and dark in all of us. And this is definitely a story that pushes towards the light. So stay tuned for that. Um, As always, we're going to get to the news and all those uh, wonderful questions. But we do like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, whoever Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And Joseph, that's not all. We have another offer and a, I think, a perfect choice for the start of the new year. Oh, absolutely. That other offer is from Inside Editions. They publish a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books, too. And Inside Editions is offering 35% off across their entire website with this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. And as Ken said, we have a special one for the beginning of the new year. It is coming out very soon. It is the Inside Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal. Ken and I both have advanced copies, and this is a a journal that can help you be like a Jedi. Uh, That does not mean cutting off limbs at the bar like Kenobi, but rather (laughs) focusing on being your best self. There are a bunch of great little examples of different ways uh, that uh, Jedi have overcome challenges or practices that they have worked to to walk with the light and then have little room for like, can you be like Yoda? Um, And uh, that is a question I ask myself. Every new year, can I be more like a Jedi? So if you want to join us on that uh, inner Jedi journal journey, you can use the link insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. 
It's a, it's a great little book. And I got, I've been thumbing through it. And if you think you're like, ah, it's a cute little Star Wars book. No, this will challenge you. This, this makes you think about how can I be uh, like a Jedi and be just a better version of myself. So, uh, hey, that's great. That's what Star Wars should be about. Fun, yeah. silly, and can you grow? Can you grow? Absolutely. I have the, the, the book out in my living room. I've walked past it a couple of times and it's like it's looking at me. And I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying, book. Try a book. Yeah, there's also got like the book, The Jedi Artifacts coming out, which is like a, a like a, is a little not sellier, but just like, oh, there's like cute little items and the tchotchkes from the from Jedi archives. And yeah, that's great. You open up this book, and you're like, how can you serve others better? Like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really getting to the heart of things. I, I look forward to spending even more time with it. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We uh, like to catch up and, uh, you know, we're coming out of a Busy holiday season, but when is life not busy? Uh, Joseph, <laughs> did you have any life for Star Wars adventures? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, the the life adventure is just, you know, the new year. Um, new Year's Eve, New Year's Day, just that whole idea of um, the passage of time, but taking a beat to acknowledge it is something that's really uh, powerful to me. Um, I, I often joke that I like New Year's because it's a holiday where we can wear silly hats and yell at time. Uh, <laughs> but I think it, it's a fascinating holiday to me because it is, it is festive. That's the way it's celebrated. Um, for many years I've done uh, a live show and I love that because it's this, this, it's a very cathartic time, right? Cause you can kind of celebrate what's gone well in the year and you can have the real cathartic. And you know what? The stuff that sucked, goodbye. <laughs> Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out vibe, you know? And it's, it's, there's something very cathartic about it, very healing that you kind of process. Uh, you celebrate the good things, you process the bad things, and then you turn toward the light. <laughs> yes. You turn toward a time where you can kind of culturally say, let's try to put our best foot forward. Let's try to have hope even though we know everything's not going to be perfect so i love the holiday for lots of reasons and because of some of those uh, ideas that i was uh, talking about i feel like it's a very star wars holiday um yeah. that it is about acknowledging uh that you yeah, know everything isn't going to be perfect but i have some amount of power <laughs> and what can i do so a ritual that my wife and i have that makes it kind of a star wars adventure is uh every year on new year's day uh, we put stickers on our calendars. It's often Star Wars stickers. Uh, this year on my little physical day planner, I have a sticker that Sarah, my wife, got somewhere. I don't know where from. It is the outline of Yoda with the cane and with the hand raised like Yoda's using the force. But inside of Yoda is just this swirling green luminous energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it looks like that. Yeah. Hey, remember, you have power inside us all. There's swirling luminous energy. So I put that uh, on the, the front of my calendar, a Boba Fett sticker on the back. Um, and for several years, I've been writing down my New Year's uh, resolutions in a, a little book that I got in like a kid's activity pack for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but it says True Jedi. It's got the uh, the Skywalker saber. It's got the Vexus that uh, that Ray healed. Uh, so I really just kind of like that that image because it's about you know uh, uh, not just using your power to uh, cut the Vexus apart, <laughs> but to heal it. So uh, I made some resolutions, and I really I really wanted to use the influence of Star Wars on the resolutions. And for this year, I really made resolutions that are only things that I can control, like finish this. <laughs> do this one activity by the end of the year it will be a yes or no that i did it and it is under my power you know because yeah. there's so many things in life 
that you can do your best, but the rest of the world has to play along. And then there are other things that only you control. And I think uh, I, that came from a Star Wars perspective. I think you should put all this down in your inner Jedi journal. I think this is great page one. <laughs> great start to the year. I know. I got ugh, I got a lot of work to do on that Star Wars book. Yeah. And I'm with you. you it's easy to get cynical on the arbitrary flipping of a calendar to a new year. I, I, I get that too. Uh, you know, it's kind of silly on the surface, but I have always been one that kind of says, no, this is a good time to take a moment. We all need to take more moments to really concentrate on where we are, what we're doing and where we're going. So if it's January 1st or December 31st and there's champagne or a hand while you do it, that's a good start. So I'm with you and all this stuff. I love that. Do you make resolutions? I, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to call them, right? Like resolutions, goals, per, you know, intentions. I don't, I don't care what you call them. I do do them, uh, sometimes smaller scale like you, what kind of control sometimes like, I don't want to get you know, we're going to go to the gym nine hours a day. You know, that, that's not realistic. And I do like looking at the best ways to turn those dreams into into goals and into uh, action items. Uh, but that sounds like I'm talking in some business meeting and uh, about best practices and all this. <laughs> uh, so, no, I'm with you, too, on that. I didn't uh, this year. I didn't specifically write a bunch down, but I've done that before. And uh, it works. It works. Uh, checking it off and, and choosing things that you really want to do, but you really want to be and you really want to just uh, get done, whether or not. Uh, what happens after that? That's a great approach. Yes or no. Either you do it or you don't. I think Yoda would be right. Yeah. Well, I hope so because he's on my calendar and he's going to be looking at me with his luminous green swirling energy every day. <laughs> so what were your other uh, Star Wars or life adventures? Uh, you know, a quiet New Year's, which was uh, wonderful uh, uh, outside of just the uh, wanted to maybe hunker down and be a little safe during this uh, past week after mm -hmm. um, being out and around and traveling uh, to D.C. and whatnot. Um that that was part of our, our quiet New Year's, but also it was just good for Grace to relax. We watched a great show on HBO, The Landscapers, just kind of uh, just kind of took everything in and did some work. And that that, that was the thing too. You, you sometimes relaxing clears your mind, and you find a you know new drive uh, for work or the energy or creativity that you might have previous been previously been clogged because you were trying to work. Mm -hmm. So I actually on New Year's Day recorded for like six hours, <laughs> just wrote and recorded and had fun doing that. Um, so it was good. That was a good start. It was a good start of the year. Did you feel like everything flowed more because you weren't worried about time and you were really, you, you weren't getting this done because it was due tomorrow. It was just, you feel like doing it and you were flowing from one idea to the next kind of thing. Yeah. And releasing yourself of, um, the burden of uh, I've got to do it or I'm doing it for clicks and listens and, you know, for, for, for me and you and kind of our creative pursuits, including whether it's writing and you're going to sell a show or win an Oscar. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> just like I, I'm blessed to be in the position I am to to um, be able to create. And so the, I think my mind is a little clear of just like, oh, tomorrow for New Year's, I have nothing to do but create, which is why I moved here, why I'm here, and why I feel <laughs> I'm on this planet. So might as well do it. Um, that was good. Uh, and the other thing, I want to do a follow-up, Joseph, to I think the – it wasn't even the news uh, news and cues last week. It might have been the deep dive we talked about. it. Um, I do I, – I did a closet cleaning, right? And I Ooh, said on yeah. the show, I was like, look, uh, I'm going to get rid of Star Wars shirts, almost all of them. I'm going <laughs> to not wear as many Star Wars things. I'm not going to proclaim it. And, and I still got a little bit of a spirit of that as well. You're not going to see me maybe in as much stuff. But, but I got to tell you, Joseph, I got to the closet. And I started pulling out shirts. And I had the keep pile and the and the, and the do donate pile. To be clear, not tossing them out. And uh, that donate pile with the Star Wars shirts got pretty small, <laughs> where the keep got pretty big. I realized 
that was folly. That was folly for me to say that. Um, and it started with the great Brian Ward, our wonderful friend, uh, Brian Ward, who, who uh, did the, the Force and logo. He actually just uh, tweeted out the, I think, three or four year anniversary of the animated databank brawl clip he did with you. Yes. And Black. So talented. And he also has a tea public shop and, and he'll put Star Wars uh, themed shirts on and you have to grab them fast because uh, uh, Disney comes through and just does a sweeping copyright claim on everything that's <laughs> taken out. So uh, I got to some of his shirts, his Roll It Again shirt, uh, his pod racing uh, shirt is kind of the NASCAR logo. And I was like, there's no way in hell. Han Solo will be waiting for me in hell before I get rid of these shirts. Um <laughs> And uh, so I even texted Brian. I said, I, I couldn't do it. And you're the reason. Um, but yeah, so I am. Got, I got rid of about four or five shirts, Joseph. I own no more Funko pop related shirts, no more weird crossover shirts like Tauntaun O's or, you know, uh, Khaleesi cereal or anything like that. Um, that's gone. But uh, inventive, subtle, fun Star Wars shirts. I'm going to publicly apologize to the shirts. I'm never going <laughs> to never going to leave you. I love this. You're a little bit like Luke going, I'm going to burn this tree down. <laughs> like, uh, but I don't, I don't, that's so great though. It sounds like you, you looked at him for like Brian's, right? You looked at the yeah. creativity of him, the memory, your, your uh, friendship with yeah. Brian. But I, I would imagine for others, it was just a connection of like, but I really like what this shirt represents. I remember the day I bought it, the day I wore it, that kind of thing. Absolutely. There's one shirt I've had since 2014 and some even before that, to be clear, but it's, uh, I wear it a lot. You see a lot of uh, promotional photos I have where it's like, it's an all black t-shirt with a, the wispy kind of uh, pre-viz look of an X-wing, right? Mm. Um, looks like a, like a broad uh, paint stroke, just an X-wing. And that was a gift from uh, my Jedi Alliance cohort, Maud Garrett back in the day, um, Christmas, 2014. And I, other than I just, I miss Maud. I don't get to see or work with Maud much anymore, but uh, it was just one of those, it's, it's one of my favorite shirts. And I'm like, I don't, it's not, and it's in good condition. It's not frayed. <laughs> the heart is strong. Like, uh, like the Kyber, uh, it's, it's ready to go. <laughs> shirt is good. So we're going to keep it. The strongest shirts are made of Kyber. That's great. Mm-hmm. So just wanted to update everyone. I apologize for uh, trying to burn <laughs> down the tree. <laughs> not going to do that. Not going to do that again. Uh, all right, we got to look at some Star Wars news here. And hey, it's a holiday weekend and week, so uh, not going to be as much, uh, much news. So I want to shout out our friends over at Star Wars Newsnet who do a great job of uh, finding some of the news that's a little less uh, rumor-filled. And even if it is, they'll let you know. And uh, we, we, do, uh, we always kind of go to them and we want to shout Star Wars uh, Newsnet and uh, uh, John, Lacey, James, the whole team over there and all their wonderful writers, especially uh, Grant Davis, who had a lot of stories we uh, were looking at today. So... Um, where, the question is, where do you get your Star Wars news, Joseph, in this first story? Because Lucasfilm <laughs> holiday gift leak confirms new animated show? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> this has been going around for a bit. We're playing catch up on some of it. Uh, this was a follow-up to the original story that kind of confirmed it. So, uh, this is, um, a, a photo leak to Reddit, which is so, sometimes suspicious and sometimes I'm convinced it's like Bob Iger himself going, let me just have some fun today. Even though he, <laughs> Iger's right. He's done, right? He's out. He waved. Well, maybe he ride. did this. That's the last thing he did is he oh. took a photo of a, a, a company gift at a holiday party. And it's like, yes. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little chaos bomb over my shoulders. I walk out the door. As uncle Bob would do. Um, no, uh, this is, yeah. An alleged Lucasfilm holiday employee gift. I mean, this is a lot. Um, <laughs> and the, 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 the a photo that has gone around shows a logo for a couple animated programs, Star Wars Visions, The Bad Batch, got the logo, and then in between them, 
looking pretty official. Not that you can't make those uh, on your own, but looks pretty official. Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. Now, that got a lot of people buzzing. What is this? Is this a show coming? What's going on? We heard some rumors. Heard some, uh, what's going on? And then there was a job listed on LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. For uh, the CGI animation group Icon Creative Studio. And it shows them needing help on an unannounced Lucasfilm series. So, Joseph, I ask you, does all of this add us add up to us getting Tales of the Jedi? Oh, well, man, this is a real from a certain point of view, right? Um, maybe there is some evidence that we can't see, but I totally understand from the evidence that we can see uh, why people would get excited and think that this is a possibility. So, yeah, there's a lot of good evidence. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, the fact that the Star Wars holiday gifts have traditionally been like here, are, you you can pick out some, you know, uh, uh, clothing uh, from the upcoming shows or the shows that you've been working on. Uh, we see those, you know, after the fact all the time. And, you know, people who've, who've worked on shows go, hey, here's my here's my great, you know, jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all makes sense. Uh, it is not at all wild to think that, yeah, of, of course they're working on more um, animated shows, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so all that evidence is uh, seems uh, seems solid. There could be something that we don't see or we don't know that changes everything. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to, to even jokingly put you on the spot of tell me if true. Yes, no, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, but it is kind of fun to think, and and I I think the you know we always say speculation and getting excited and even taking a swing through the rumor mill is it's not uh, in and of itself bad. I, I think it, what what you do with that information or do with that wonder and want is is a choice that much like Star Wars, uh, you know, it's a choice to you, you got a choice in front of you. Uh, so we're having fun with this one. And uh, I do like this idea. And I, and I do wonder if, uh, you know, hey, someone accidentally took a picture on their Instagram page of look what I got at work today. And this could lead to a but also just this idea. Uh, I definitely want to kick this back to you here. Uh, Tales of the Jedi, some kind of animated show, uh, just the world of possibilities, even in this uh I was going to say post, but we're in the middle of the beginning, actually, of the High Republic era. It's just there. It's something about that that works for me. Like, if you're going to do that kind of the next big animated project, that sounds like an, a, an arena to play in, you know? Oh, my, yes. I mean, I, I think it, for me, with news like this, uh, you know, uh, or I guess investigative journalism <laughs> uh, on, on, uh, on Reddit, I think the thing for me is always, it's fun. It's fun and fine to speculate. And the problem is when it just starts to get passed around as, as though true. Right. And that's not at all what Star Wars Newsnet is doing. Star Wars Newsnet is, is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, laying out the evidence. Um, yeah. and it is really fun to speculate. So from that mindset, if big old, if, uh, this is actually coming, I'm thrilled just by the title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by everything that it could be to answer your, your actual question. Um, I think it is really, uh, we have to acknowledge that there's a comic book series of the same name. Right. And I did a little bit of a uh, Wikipedia review on that. Uh, the tales of the Jedi comic book ran from 1993 to 1998, uh, originally intended to be a, a real anthology of, you know, like four to 5,000 years uh, before the, uh, the Skywalker saga. Mm. Um, but it's, it's extra fascinating because the stories that ended up being in that relatively short comic book run are a lot of the core characters and ideas of the old Republic era. Uh, mm. Things from that are referenced in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. So a lot of what has kind of grown up to be what people mean uh, when they say old Republic are mm. the seeds of it uh, or, or, the, or some of the details are in this comic run. 
uh, which I really want to find time to review. Um, so that's really intriguing to me that they would use that title. I think for my own hope, not even speculation, for my own hope, I, if Tales of the Jedi is a real animated series, I, I kind of hope that it's not Old Republic. Yeah. Because I, I would want Old Republic. Old Republic is such a good match for the films, I think. Because it's just yes. so big and so explosive. And if you were going to do a Tales of the Jedi series, you could go during the High Republic era. You could go maybe during the Old Republic era, but it's just adventures that Jedi are having, not like, here's the heart of the war, you know? Mm-hmm. All that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, th- those are my initial thoughts. And then my big thing that I've been thinking about, Ken, is anthology series or following a few specific characters. Mm-hmm. Which would you be more excited about? Uh, it's funny. I, 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 I would lean towards the anthology series and great research on that title and the comic series, which I think I've passed on the shelf of my comic shop a few times, you know, the, the probably the trade paperback of those. Um, but, Many trade paperbacks and remixed with different it, titles. And like, it's yeah. that, it's that kind of comic book. Like you, you, you got to research to make sure you know yeah. what you're buying. Yeah. Um, so I would lean towards anthology. Yeah, you're right. Not necessarily high Republic. I would, but like almost like, leading up to Phantom Menace, but I don't need it to be connected. Just like, uh, Hey, there's a dispute here. They went and settled or a conversation they had here. I really love that, that short, uh, series of, uh, Mace Windu, uh, which I think is pretty poignant and, and worth mm-hmm. a, a view a, a read if you guys haven't gone through it, but it has that kind of vibe of, uh, he and his master went over here to deal with X, you know, and, and the galaxy didn't change, but he changed. Um, I would love that. But in terms of an animated show, I think just at a personal um, want, uh, Rebels worked for me very well because it was this focused story on a small group. If you were to focus on a couple Jedi, you know, Master Padawan, I don't know the relationship. Not, I, not, not a you know, younglings learning from Yoda type situation. But if it was real kind of narrow focused on just a couple characters I could get behind, a couple, a few, five, six, whatever, I think that might work for me more now than an anthology series. Yeah, I think that would be really intriguing to me to to have just a, a core group of like, are these, you know, all people who kind of grew up together and they're all knights now. And mm. is it even a little bit of the Clone Wars model where like the Clone Wars animated series has a handful of main characters, but it still has this anthology vibe of like, yeah, and you're not going to see Ahsoka, Obi-Wan or Anakin. And we're going to spend four episodes with droids or you know what? That villain became really interesting. So here's three episodes about the villain. Um I'd be interested in that sort of pseudo anthology Clone Wars animated series structure as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Pseudo anthology is a great way to look at it. Cause I've had, you know, the, the reward of the Clone Wars report we're doing here in Force center going through has I just been love, just love the experience I'm having of, of reconnecting with the story that's so big, so many seasons and so long ago that like some of the little details just never stayed in my mind until now. And I'm having a lot of fun getting uh, getting even more out of that series than I did back in the day. So to have uh, that kind of series could work. Uh, again, the the micro narrow focus kind of rebels thing. But there's just so many Jedi and so many eras and so many years. There's a lot of room for them to play with it. If big if this is something real and going forward. Yeah, that was the other thing I wrestled with that I wanted to hear your opinion about is there are plenty of options to where to set it. You could set it in the High Republic uh, before the events of the book, right? Or it could be uh, Jedi having like very small adventures that aren't going to impact the big story of the Nile and the Drenger that we're hearing in the publishing side. 
or it could be in the old Republic. It could be like mm-hmm. the, the Tales of the Jedi comic book, re- essential stories, or just adventures that they had back in the day. Uh, or it could be Luke's Jedi school, because we learned from that mm-hmm. uh, Rise of Kylo Ren comic book that Luke had some func- uh, functioning Jedi who were going about the galaxy doing things for a while. Yeah. Uh, or it could even jump around the timeline. What, what would you think of that if it was Tales of the Jedi from all eras in its I- anthology? I would love the all heiress thing. Absolutely would. But also, call me crazy. I'm calling myself crazy. The 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack the Clones. A lot going on. But the galaxy didn't feel like it was crumbling. But it, the foundations were slowly cracking. Uh, could you analyze uh, even more of what happened during that era? Oh, yeah. And spend some quality time with, uh, with the Jedi that we know but don't mm-hmm. know as well. Yeah. Yeah, give me a Depp and Balaba. Give me Kiati Mundy not falling uh, for, uh, you know, the bad ideas all the time. Finally, we learn why Yaddle left. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's so many possibilities. But I think for me, Ken, my my final thought on this is I think what I was excited about for the High Republic and what the High Republic has delivered so well is really showing Jedi as individuals that they are all trying to – follow this set of beliefs but they interpret them differently they wrestle with them differently they have humanity they have personality they have joys and failures and you get all of just the adventure serial thrill of like yeah and they're you know monk wizards with laser swords (laughs) and i would love to see that level of just celebration of how rich and open this idea of what a jedi is and, and get that on the screen so people who aren't as into the publishing side can experience that on the screen Great point. And also it should be called Tales of the Monk Warriors. Uh, I'd love that. that. Yeah, no, and and the High Republic, uh, again, we're talking about a big if and and, uh, some interesting uh, rumors out there, but the High Republic um, changes my thought on this series in a a positive way and just like, oh, yeah, no, this can definitely work. Not that it wouldn't have worked in the past, but the High Republic has just been so successful, like you said, just showing different Jedi, different relationships with the Force. It's just been fun. Uh, and to to continue to do that um, is something that um, I always would have been excited for, but now it's more intriguing to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, next story. This is another, uh, let's speculate, a thought starter of a story uh, posted again on Star Wars Newsnet by Grant Davis, but this came from a tweet uh, over the weekend following the book of Boba Fett, Delilah S. Dawson, the author of great Star Wars books, Phasma and uh, the Black Spire novel, tweeted out, And I have a pitch ready to go if the powers that be want the rest of Phasma's story after she fell through that fiery hole while fighting Finn. We know that her armor, uh, we know what her armor is made of, and we know she's ruthless. I want to write what she does next. Uh, Again, total pitch, headcanon from a Star Wars author. Uh, We're not saying that this is is what happened. This is that she'd love to tell the possible story of uh, what happened after that moment. So we're going to dive in on that. Returning from certain death is a Star Wars tradition of sorts at this point, Joseph. And we we discussed this a little bit recently, including with Vasma. We discussed it a lot, actually, with Maul and Book of Boba Fett, uh, which is why she was having this conversation. But uh, hearing what uh, Dawson has a handle on Phasma's story, uh, got me excited. Uh, so let's discuss the dreams of a Phasma return. Your thoughts on this tweet and what <laughs> this might be. Uh, I think the tweet is great. Um, I think Delilah S. Dawson is a great author and I love both of these books. I think they're uh, really different and really engaging. And I think if people haven't checked them out and they're interested, you know, Phasma really does tell the story of Phasma, but it also gives a little snapshot into the resistance in the first order. Mm. And the Black Spire book really gets into the psychology of what it takes to be a part of the first order, what it 
takes to be a part of the resistance. Just great stuff. So yes. I would absolutely love to see this book. I think we had a question recently uh, on a News and Cues episode about what book would you turn into a live action movie? And my answer was Phasma, <laughs> yes. the Phasma book. So yeah, very excited about this. I have always personally been in the camp of, you know, Star Wars exists in a pulp in adventure serial adventure thrills world i like that part of star wars i'm not as concerned about the how as uh as sometimes other fans are and i feel like you know an armored badass falling into a fiery pit is a tuesday yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. it, it to me in the context of the way i look at the the tone and the history of star wars there's nothing about phasma's fate that feels done to me yeah yeah i i've um Always had that thought. Uh, if if that is the case, right? If and and, and yep, nope. Phasma died, and uh, you know, so many sources confirm it. Blah blah blah. I think there's still because of Delilah Dawson's book. There's so many powerful lessons to take from it. Um, Phasma is a wonderfully um, layered and complicated character when you spend more time with her in that novel. Uh, and and so I, I, you know, point being, I like all right, cool. If, that, if that's her death, I, I can deal with that and, and take what I want from that story. But yeah. Uh, the armor itself uh, has a story there. Not going to spoil the book. Um, and you know, I, I believe in the old. Uh, you don't see it. You don't see them croak and take their final breath on screen. They're still alive. All right, <laughs> still waiting for Stannis Baratheon to come back. I'm kidding. He deserved it. Um, so <laughs> this is all the uh, the Gwendolyn Christie death or not <laughs> moments we're discussing. Yes. yes. Um, but I love this idea. I love this idea. Of course, the last one have these thoughts. She spent so much time with this character. And did such a good job. Uh, just uh, delving into her, her, her past. And, and I, I can't even imagine, I don't want to imagine. I want to be, I would want to be surprised by something like this, but uh, where would you go with this kind of story without uh, stealing the pitch for yourself? Joseph? Uh, <laughs> where would you want the themes? What would it be about? What would it be about? Yeah. I think that's the thing is like, I, I, I would be very excited for Delilah S. Dawson to hear her actual, you know, plot story, yeah. how the things happen, but the kind of, ideas that I would be interested in in the sort of insights available is since Phasma was built up as somebody who came from a culture that was just about survival and Phasma is like, I'm going to be the best at that. I'm going to be the best at surviving and I want to climb the ladder and what is the next way to be more powerful? And then she did that within the first order. Um, how does Phasma then feel about her own failure? I think there's a reason that Dawson is responding to Book of Boba Fett because I think there are some uh, similar uh, ideas and tensions at work of somebody who defines themselves on uh, their their strength. Uh, mm. How do the, how does that person then feel about their own failure? Uh, but even bigger, depending on when it would be set, is uh, how does Phasma feel about the failure of the First Order? Should she mm. does she go? I'm happy to be done with him. It turned out they were weak, right? Yeah. And if so, where where how does she go to reclaim power? You know. Yeah. And I, I think this idea of how do how do other stormtroopers who suffered under her rule feel about her? Are there zealots who feel like, uh, you know, who they want to find their leader again and want to return to her because they're so successfully broken? Uh, or are there a lot of people like Finn and Janna who are like, Ooh, if you see, <laughs> if you see Phasma, uh, we need to, uh, you know, some of them go, we need to yeah. uh, rest her. And other people saying we need her head, you know, her relationship with this, uh, all of these citizens across the galaxy, who got swept into uh, the first order is fascinating. I love this. Uh, you know, does Finn now 
try to preach uh, some sort of uh, not forget, but forgiveness. You know, what does he is and does he have to learn a valuable lesson? About yeah, justice, not vengeance. Yeah. Good. I love what you're saying. And when I was jotting down some notes, um, I, I, I did come to a point where I realized, oh, wait, I'm just kind of describing some of my uh, continued hopes and thoughts about the themes of the book of Boba Fett, right? <laughs> There's definitely some synergy there between Boba Fett and Phasma and Maul in terms of, uh, you know, just ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not so much a redemption story, but a kind of a reconciling with your path and your past and, uh, you know, this idea of potentially all of her sins because she has a lot of sins there. Maybe they come back to Haunter, which is something I was thinking about around Book of Boba Fett, as I said on the show this past week. And and does she have to live a different kind of life? You know what I mean? Like, is, is she now in a spot where, again, not like I saw the light. It wouldn't be as interesting to me, but of like remaining who, who true to who she is, but refine, redefining that, refocusing it and absolutely stripped of, of her power, stripped of her literal shield which is a part of the significance of, of, of her face and, and her eye being exposed in that battle with Finn. And I, I, I said too, but how, how could she fight her way back up, back up the ladder? And does she become, uh, do you look at her as a Moff Gideon type in this post uh, mm. new, new Republic world? Or yeah, maybe she's beyond that, right? The first order was, uh, does she see it as a failing and want to leave it? Like you said, or put it completely behind or like, no, nah, maybe I finally do it my way. You know, we don't even need that force stuff. All right. Whatever was going on. I didn't pay attention to that. I, I paid attention to other things. I don't know. Um, I, that'd be the excitement in that, but just to see, uh, this character and, um, you know, if it was live action, especially seeing Gwendolyn Christie deal with this, but to see, this character have to wrestle with these big questions in the Star Wars world. Ah, that'd be fun. The mask is gone. Can Phasma get a new one? Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. And, you know, again, uh, I think you're right to not uh, share huge spoilers for the Phasma novel, but that she starts in a sort of uh, lower tech Mad Max like uh, community. Mm-hmm. Right. Does she go back to that and go, I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to slowly take over this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. lower tech planet. And then from there, I'm going to build an army and I'm I'm going to be the next order. <laughs> Yeah, there's so, like like I think it's parts uh, uh, because I do love this book so much. What Delilah Dawson does with Phasma in this book, and, and you're so right to point out uh, uh, Archex and Vibrati and so many other uh, things and characters in the books too, especially Black Black Spire. But um, there's something about that, and and Gwendolyn Christie herself, where maybe I'm rooting for um, a, a warm, happy ending. But there's also something delicious of uh, Phasma going. I'm I'm a warlord now. Fett's a crime lord. I'm a warlord. <laughs> Yep, I'm a warlord, <laughs> and I will rule with fear. <laughs> I don't care about respect. Yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I think that there is naturally to Maul and Boba Fett's stories, which we've talked about a lot recently. Um, lost purpose, lost power, uh, a, a going, going, falling, literally falling <laughs> into some hell-like existence, and then uh, climbing back out of it changed. So yeah. I think it is natural to think of those uh, ideas with Phasma. I also just think that there is this great real world Star Wars poetry of this is clearly a thing that Star Wars does is introduce like, ah, we just need kind of like a hench person for this sort of plot dynamic. But yeah, they should look cool (laughs) Uh, to serve their purpose. Wait, they're so cool. We kind of can't let go. Right. And that is the real world legacy of Boba Fett's limited screen time original trilogy. Uh, Maul's very limited screen time in the prequel trilogy and Phasma is just taking the mantle you know the sequel trilogy version of Fett and Maul and I want her to reclaim the title <laughs> it'd be great it'd be great and look uh, you know we try not to play in what ifs and should haves and could haves and would haves 
uh, you know, there's some should-haves and could-haves I can get behind with Phasma in specifically The Last Jedi. I had some uh, thoughts about going into that movie, what they could do with the character, and they did what they did, and I actually do do enjoy it, and, and it is part of this weird kind of Star Wars tradition, and even Ryan is some stuff saying, of like, no, nah, it, it's it's similar. A lot of people called out, you know, the, the, the South Park, Kenny dies every episode kind of vibe of, yeah, every, you know, she dies, question mark, at the end. I, you know, I can just take that as a fun runner, but um, I, 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 I agree with you. You know, Maul, Fett, Phasma. There's a tradition there, so maybe Phasma will uh, stay alive and uh, we'll find her somehow, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think my final thought is just kind of looking at the publishing side of Star Wars right now, just looking at the year we're in, um, there's a focus on High Republic, obviously. Uh, and then there's, you know, a decent amount of Kenobi content, clearly, to support Disney+. Plus. But then we do have this Shadow of the Sith book, which is both, you know, original trilogy since it's Luke and Lando, but it is them exploring all these ideas that are from the sequel trilogy about Ochi of Bestoon and the Shadow of the Sith, like the title. So that makes me feel like if you look at what the publishing slate is now, that there is interest along with uh, High Republic to continue to explore things that are uh, connected to the sequel trilogy era. So that gives me hope that there might be interest in this. Hope indeed. And hope is what comebacks are built on in Star Wars. <laughs> there you go. So we'll keep you updated, of course, if this uh, becomes true or Tales of the Jedi becomes uh, true or more true. Uh, we love kind of swinging through these um, rumors and thought starters to uh, get a little deeper to that tip of the iceberg Star Wars storytelling. Uh, all right. Uh, that is a look at news. Like I said, a little bit of a less, uh, you know, less volume of news out there this week. Uh, before we uh, take a break and get to your questions, we're going to uh, do what we always do. Recommend an audio book that we think you should try out on us. Joseph, uh-oh, looks like we've got a homework assignment. That is right. We are thrilled to have this next homework assignment. Only homework in that we want to be able to share our thoughts with you. But if you want to be all caught up with the thrilling adventures of the High Republic, there is a new story coming. You can check out the audiobook The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. Download your free audiobook today, this one or another one, on us by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, your questions here on Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the phasma of our post-apocalyptic village. All right, here we go. We got some questions, Jesse. That's right. It's nice to be in our post-apocalyptic village. It's it's very cozy. There are a lot of trash can fires. It's great. Uh, we're going to warm our hands by the trash can fire and take two questions from uh, Twitter and two questions from our patrons on Patreon. First from Twitter, we go to Gaz. Uh, Gaz says, hello there. In The Force Awakens, we see Starkiller base destroyed, but instead of exploding, as we have seen in so many other movies, it actually turns into a new star. I find this interesting on so many levels. Starkiller drained the energy from a star, so in turn, this newly created star brings new light and balance to the system. We know its connection to kyber crystals in its previous form as Ilum. The strongest stars have hearts of kyber. What would you think of having a, a story of some importance told involving this new star system years after episode nine, where a new solar system has formed around this mass of this new star, also, would this be called the Ilum system or perhaps the Solo system in memorial to the loss of and sacrifice that Han made there? A lot of great questions about this uh, great moment in The Force Awakens and its expanded lore that it is indeed Ilum. Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, Gaz, I think you, you presented just this beautiful tale of, uh, of a rebirth unlike any other in Star Wars. A planet to a star. That's pretty powerful. Especially that planet, a planet we all have grown to love, I think, as Star Wars nerds diving deep into the lore. Um, so I, I love this idea. I love uh, dealing with it. Um, I love that someone like Rey, uh, someone like Finn, or any other new Jedi would have um, uh, a, a deeper appreciation of that uh, planet turned star, turned solar system, and that they would need to go there for some kind of reason. Uh, there could be some storytelling there. I, I I wouldn't mind Ilum Ilum system is is probably the the leader in the clubhouse for me. But uh, what about uh, you uh, Yuang star system? Wang Wang <laughs> the droid. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, I I really love what you're what you're saying, Ken. What what Gaz is saying. Uh, there's this great thematic element of Star Wars that I think has always been there, but was really uh, crystallized by the line "No one has ever really gone." And this is such a great version of that. You know, the the reality of the physical universe that energy transforms, and it's it's just such a great story that this was a sacred place, right? With Gillum, yeah. then it was defiled, then it was by being made into a weapon. And now it's this rebirth of something that generates light and warmth and power, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for me, I've always liked that story with Han because there's a little bit of a of a grace note, right? To, uh, unlike some of the bad guys who fall into fiery pits, I feel like Han is gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember after The Force Awakens when people were like, I don't know, he did, he did get stabbed through the chest, yeah. fall a great deal, and then the planet he was on turned into a star. Do you think he made it off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for me, there is a little bit of a difference between a little bit of the the villain stories and the the cliffhanger. Oh, they fell, but we didn't see what happened next. Uh, I feel like Han, this is, for me, this feels definitive. And I really like it because Han goes on this journey where he didn't believe in the Force. And now he is a, a part of the heart mm. of a kyber star, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I like that idea a lot there. If, if, if the system has another name, would you maybe call it like the solo ravine or whatever, you know, <laughs> it, it, like a constellation? I mean, I'm not trying to make it like back to the future, uh, you know, uh, Clayton ravine there with Clara Clayton, but uh, you know, just, uh, you know, look, look to the sky. You'll see uh, uh, you know, solo's belt. Yeah. I think that I would be happy with that depending on the perspective of the story and the perspective of the character. Mm. I think for me, like, uh, I, I think calling it, you're still calling it the Ilum system or calling it the star of Ilum or sort of like yeah. reclaiming what it was, you know, uh, it, I like that idea, but then, you know, depending on Gaz is asking about a whole story and um, mm. if there's a story that makes sense, that's great, but I can also see it just really popping up in a, a, a quick side mention in books or comics. And for me, that really depends on who's the character and, and what do they know? Are they a, future Jedi? Are they a smuggler? Are they a historian? You know, is it Beaumont Kin who's going to list off facts? <laughs> uh, but the way legends seem to like spread in the galaxy, uh, the way that's shown in the sequel trilogy, like I think some people would really go like, you know, that's where the Jedi used to get their crystals and it would be all about the Jedi for them. And I think maybe like some smugglers, some historians would be like, yeah, you know, it's not all about the Jedi. You know, this, this smuggler, this, uh, you know, old war hero, Han Solo sacrificed himself to save the entire galaxy there. To me, that's the Solo star. Like, I think it would be interesting if it was based on on character perception. And, uh, yeah, your experiences throughout the galaxy and what loss you felt the most. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Do you want it to be uh, the the, <laughs> the star of Solo? Um, I, star of Ilum sounds just uh, almost biblical, right? I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and I just like, uh, but I, I, I would be one of the characters who would look, uh, look to the North and see solo in the sky. I, 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 I would be uh, drawn to that story there. And I like this idea you're pitching too, of, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be an entire story, or this is the new center of the galaxy, but just something that kind of is, and something that we discover or learn in, uh, in, 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 in subsequent Star Wars storytelling. It would have its own kind of power for us fans, you know? Yeah, yeah. And for me, we don't have any idea of what the storytelling moving past the sequel trilogy might be. But one of the things that would be fascinating to me is if some characters had the attitude of like, 
too many things are passing into like legend and lore. We need to, you know, <laughs> name and know. So if there are characters who really want, like, we want history known. We're doing tours. <laughs> Here's yes. what happened here, you know. Well, yeah, we, you know, uh, I'd love to see like an older, wiser Dr. Afra start a tour of the galaxy. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. kind of, you know, I'm going to say get right. She's, uh, she's got a lot of good things uh, in her more than bad, but uh, she's a wonderful, uh, complicated character herself. Uh, but yeah, to have her be like, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to name and know I'll help. I'm the one to help you. Nice, nice. Any other thoughts on this one? No, other than it's great, guys. I love it. I I love that little uh, lore of Star Killer Base uh, uh, coming from Ilum and adding this uh, idea, this thought of uh, hey, it's a new star and it kind of almost returns to a pure form. Uh, I love that. Love that. Thought. Yeah, I love that Han is a part of that. That's just really cool. Uh, all right, we're gonna move on then to our next uh, uh, question from Richard Genji. Uh, I hope I uh, said the name correctly, and if I didn't, my apologies. Uh, Richard also begins, "Hello there, a great Star Wars greeting." There's a lot of talk when I listen to various stuff about the original Star Wars trilogy and how they didn't really think of Vader being Luke's father until the time of writing Episode Five. Uh, but in A New Hope, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have that conversation about there's too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. What does that refer to? if not Vader being his father. Cheers, Richard. Cheers to you as well, Richard. This is a really fun one, Ken. I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. Look, I think it starts this idea of it's dialogue that works then in 77 and now, now being 80, 83 and beyond, uh, because I love looking back at specifically New Hope and, and the corners that that movie has for us all to play in, including George himself a little bit later on. Um, yeah, I think a lot of things connect back to that movie. We talk about emotional canon, but just uh, I've talked a lot about um, the reads and performances of, of Alec Guinness. Uh, and, and some of the pauses are like an entire series. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and I think this line really works. Uh, to me, it, it just uh, on, on the surface, I guess you could say it represents the, the choice to not get involved um, mm. Owen's pretty clear about that, and uh, and 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 uh, Luke has that kind of um, yeah, I got to stay on the farm type of thing because of that, as opposed to not pursuing your greater greater purpose. Uh, it's about playing small, and and and, this, and and playing small isn't a bad thing. The galaxy needs moisture evaporator farmers. Uh, that that's not everyone's got a, a hero blade and and a, and a great calling with capital letters. Um, but for Luke, that's not the case, and 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 I I've always said I'm. I'm somewhat sympathetic to, to Uncle Owen a little bit because the cost can be your life. And mm-hmm. he was aware of that. So that's what it kind of always represented. And I think it's still, we don't know if that had played out, you know, that, that uh, navigator on a spice freighter of a father, um, it could have just been that he died. It could have just been that uh, maybe he turned in some way. It wasn't about Vader. wasn't about that. Uh, and all of that, you know, made some sense to maybe lock Luke down, but also don't agree with Uncle Owen in the end. And Luke had to make <laughs> that choice. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think for me, looking just at um, that Star Wars, as it was called then, A New Hope as we know it now, um, before the idea that Vader would be Luke's father, uh, I think it is totally just really classic mythic hero's journey stuff. It's do you stay home and safe or you're staring out at those twin sons, you're being pulled to something. Mm. Uh, are you going to going to go explore that adventure and discover who you truly are? And then on almost like a political level, right? It's the, you know, when Luke goes, I don't know, it's all so far away from here. And Obi-Wan's like, that's your uncle talking, right? It's, right. it's about, 
people are hurting and maybe I can do something about it. Are you willing to get involved or is it apathy or is it like not, you know, not my problem. It's far away. Not my problem. Um, so I think that there's a lot going on with it, but I think Owen's perspective in those lines of, uh, you know, that's what I'm afraid of. He's too much like his father. It's this counterpoint to Obi-Wan going, go out there, take risks, discover who you are. If you see something wrong, do something about it. Um, and if you look at just the information in the first film, right, yeah. it's pretty fascinating to think of Owen's perspective. And I think understandable. It, it is keeping Luke back. And I think there is a little bit of concern slash fear in it. But from Owen's perspective, Luke's father should have stayed at home and taken care of his family. And instead, he got caught up in this adventure, this dream of being a hero. He followed Obi-Wan, as Obi-Wan says, on some damn fool idealistic crusade. <laughs> and what happened to him when he was like, I'm going to go out in the stars. Obi-Wan has a great uh, mission for me, a great plan. I'm going to learn the ways of the Force from Obi-Wan. What happened to Luke's father? Uh, he got killed by one of his own, Darth Vader. And that just ended up that you ran off to have a dream. You got slaughtered by someone who was supposed to be your friend. And I, Owen, end up raising Luke and trying my best to protect him from the folly that happened to you because you had to run away and have an adventure. Yeah, it's pretty powerful, right? And and it, it, you said fear. And and again, where I was thinking, like, you know, you know Owen's perspective, uh, you know, look, calm down, kid. All right. I know you think the world's great out there. Don't worry. Like, trust me. Stick here. Grab, grab a grab a blue milk and let's go change the evaporator. But it's such wrapped. It's so wrapped up in fear, and I think a lot of the Dagobah stuff of Yoda to Luke and and uh, the attachment and letting go, including your friends, maybe in this moment. And Bruce got more peace, right? Bruce got got a better handle on uh, attachment, fear, and and uh, how to how to truly maybe support and love someone there. So it's a, it, that dinner table conversation's pretty uh, pretty powerful. It is just a little parenting book too, right? Of like, <laughs> how do you, how do you, and I'm not a parent, uh, so, uh, but I think it applies to other things in life too. But is it uh, the, how, what, how do you do best by your kids or anyone under your care or anyone you love? Do you keep them home and safe always? Or do you go, they need to go out and explore and find themselves and let's, let's help them. Cause then, then we'll always be there for them, which means like where Brew is coming from. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see how, how we can kind of connect to this uh, 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 dinner table of attachment, shall we call it, um, with the <laughs> Kenobi series and how what they're going to pull out of it. Because I'm fascinated by that. I, I love that. I, you know, George, what, what, can, what else can you say? And 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 uh, Richard, uh, this goes beyond your question. Um, but you know, what else can you say? George did thought this was it, right? I get one shot to make this movie. It wasn't even going great. <laughs> You know, he pulls it together and it's all there. And to be able to come back to it and go, all right, now what do we do? And hey, look, we have this, we have this little space about who his father was and, 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 and how can we pull more out of that story? That's, that's always been built into Star Wars. You talk often, we've mentioned already this episode, the tip of the iceberg storytelling. George is like, oh, there's a big iceberg there. Yeah. Let me go explore it. I love that. Everything that happened with uh, who his father was. Yeah. And that, that would have been a fascinating story too. If, if uh, Anakin and Vader were truly two entirely different people, that would have been an interesting story as well. Obviously we have the one that we do, but I, I am also with, um, I am also with Richard. I can't remember when I heard various information, but like mm -hmm. uh, once I really started watching the films a ton on VHS, that line was like one of those, Oh yeah, here it comes. It's so great. That's what I'm afraid of. Um, because it seems like it's absolutely awareness of like, 
yeah, I don't want Luke going off, turning evil and killing half the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. Um, it So it really, really works well with the story that we know. And I think that fear of, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid there's darkness in Luke. I think that works. But then I think all the stuff that we were talking about of just like, I'm afraid uh, that I, Owen, disagree with the philosophy of go out there and get involved. Like, you have responsibilities in people right in front of you. Stay here, stay safe, take care of your own thing, stay in your lane. Uh, don't be this dreamer who has to run out and find adventure in, in danger. I think all that is still there. Mm. Plus it has that added element of like, and, uh, and your dad killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think uh, again, just now maybe discussing the, the movie and the sequence of scenes here, uh, beyond Richard's question, just, but I think uh, Owen and Brew at that table, particularly uh, old grumpy Owen really sets up the power of that twin sons moment, man. It really just is uh, just tease it up, man. So you can go wonder as well with Luke. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've said this many times before when I was like Luke uh, staring at those twin sons. It's like, oh, man, I just, uh, you know, I, I need to get away. I, I, I don't want my parents to be uh, burned into <laughs> to skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to avoid the way it happens. But, man, I want that to happen. You know, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, some of the power of, uh, of Star Wars is relating to Luke wanting to get out there in the galaxy. Great question. We're going to move on to our uh, questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Andrew McNabb. Andrew says, season's greetings. Regardless of the season, you get to this question. Hmm. Uh, we get to questions as fast as we can, but we get a lot of great ones, so sometimes we're running a little behind. Uh, here's what Andrew has to say. Could you ever see a character who is not a Force user when alive learn the ways after death and return as a Force ghost as opposed to a memory a la Han in Rise of Skywalker? Do you think it would be another evolution in how the force could be accessed? Or do you think it would take away the VIP, do you know who I am privileges that Jedi have? <laughs> if it was going to happen, which non-force using character would you like to see make an appearance? What sage wisdom would they have and who would it be for? Thank you for another wonderful year of doing what you do. Thank you, Andrew, for being a part of it and for the great question. Where do you go with this, Ken? Um, I, I'll here. My gut reaction is to say no. Keep it VIP. I mean, come on, keep that rope <laughs> up. Uh, but that uh, when you stop and think about it, that literally reeks of gatekeeping and a sense of ownership and leveling up in the force, which uh, might be uh, in opposition to the force itself. So let me try to push past my self-made boundaries there and uh, find a way forward. Uh, so uh, perhaps there's this idea of the force finding a way to make this happen. Uh, a reward not that it's about rewards but all those beans in the galaxy that just kind of act on a feeling and push towards the light side whether or not they have a, a laser sword or not i think the force um even if i'm not okay with that and want the rope up the force might be okay with that and and i like that there um i do think uh the what we have now and what we know of the force now and jedi and everything having access to some of these things to speak um I don't know, speaks to like commitment, um, stuff Yoda's talking mm. about, your choices um, uh, beyond just your destiny. And it represents your continued evolution more than a reward, like I said. But, uh, you know, you know, you know what I mean? If just like it's it, it, thematically, you know, it, it is this we talk often about Luke letting go, Palpatine not letting go, light and dark and all those kind of things. So it works for me on those levels. But there's just there's what. Um, uh, what Andrew's talking about here, there's some comfort I find in, in here to, to kind of wrap up my thoughts of, uh, it's almost like the force could be Gandalf, um, mm. and no, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another part or another path, one that we'll, oh, we almost take. So I like that. And then specifically some of the characters uh, that I like that for, uh, Holdo, 
Uh, what mm. a great sacrifice. And if she could have thoughts on that and, and getting to mm. the other side and learning more and having the lesson of sacrifice. Maz Kanata, uh, man, mm-hmm. there's a long life of, uh, you know, maybe a little piracy all the way through. Who knows? Who knows what <laughs> side she was on in that labor dispute? I don't know. But uh, talk about commitment, choice, <laughs> and the great fight. She's very clear about that in Force Awakens, about the only fight. And I think that is very aligned with the Force. And uh, the final two for me, uh, not to uh, take all the answers here, but Sheard Emway yeah. and Baze, uh, Baze Malvis um, mm. are, are not what we would call uh, Force users per se, right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, they have an understanding and, and their combined then is very spiritual. It speaks of, of um, not just redemption, but change and what's truly in your heart and uh, being one with the Force in, in their own way. So I could see them doing that. And then they come back as like friendly but bickering Force ghosts. To give you advice. <laughs> Contrasting advice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think like it's really funny to imagine they're thinking, should I do something? It's kind of scary. And she's like, yes, just walk out there. <laughs> <laughs> and Baze is like, nah, nah, nah I'm not sure. Uh, great thoughts. Great thoughts. Uh, I love uh, that the way that Andrew, um, I, I think kind of jokingly phrases this with the, the VIP, do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, privileges that Jedi have. But that is, for me, the starting point, just like with you. And the the way that I really think of the story of Star Wars and, and the Jedi and the Force is, uh, for me, the story of Star Wars is we all have power. You know, ultimately, the, the Jedi are just uh, a metaphor uh, for individuals. But even functionally within Star Wars, this is something we've talked about a lot of. It, to me, it's extremely meaningful that in the first film, uh, Luke is the one with the magical abilities, he's probably the only one who can make that shot, but he can't make that unless Han chooses to use his power and turn around and help, right? Yeah. Uh, once you go into Rogue One, Luke would not, naive farm boy, that's so far away from here, he wouldn't have had any of those shots if everybody in Rogue One didn't use their power, right? So yeah. to me, Star Wars is always about everybody has power, but we have different kinds of power. And I'm kind of, that's what makes me kind of okay with the Jedi having trained to have this unique relationship with the force yeah that it's not necessarily this uh privilege like only you can get it that it is you know it is something that Qui-Gon used his power like as an individual to say I think something's over there Mm -hmm. and I want to spend all of this uh, time and energy to explore it and believe in it and and crucially I love that as it currently exists in sort of a nebulous rules of of four spirits that that power is accessed by being selfless and only wanting to retain uh, sentience within the force so that you can help others right yeah uh and we see that with qui-gon obi-wan yoda uh anakin luke leia i mean anakin there's more to be explored but i think he helps luke when he smiles at him <laughs> and or <laughs> yeah. and certainly uh you know the 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 rules of exactly what is happening are up for examination and debate in rise of skywalker when we hear all of those jedi voices but what are those jedi voices doing right they're they're there for support right yeah so i really like that just sort of philosophically so i feel like if anybody retains sentience within the force it would have to be from a perspective uh, for me of, I want to be there for someone else, uh, to pass on wisdom. And, and that to me is kind of like the, the most important part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great breakdown of that there. And I love pointing out too, we, we talked about force ghosts before we'll talk about them again. Uh, the idea that it's uh, Qui-Gon with that kind of big final lesson, right? After, uh, 
eons, dare we say, of uh, Jedi and the Force. Uh, he's kind of the first to break through that, at least as far as what we know right now. And you're right, the rules are the rules have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, margins there on the on the paper there that we can uh, get more on. Uh, but I love I love that I love and again extension and and uh, I, I love the vision of a VIP. I also love uh, occasionally getting beyond the VIP rope. You know, it's fun. <laughs> you taste it, uh, you get free Dodger dogs in the VIP section. You never want to pay for one again. I get it. And there's power corrupting. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's that, but I love that. Yeah. It continued, um, show of your continued evolution, your continued growth and where it comes from and how you're trying to obtain it is obviously very key. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, since it is about like connection and intent and wanting to be there for others, or, or even that, that idea with Yoda and Obi-Wan, that's very specific of like, we need to be here. F- Luke still needs us, right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. involved in Qui-Gon teaching Yoda, that you you're need to be there to help the, the person who's going to, you know, move forward. Um, so uh, I think from that perspective, uh, it's really funny for me to imagine, you know, somebody like Hondo, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that we've seen the canonical end of Hondo, but like, you know, you don't want Hondo to just be like, I did it. I figured out how to get past the rope. And now I can whisper to people about how to make great deals on puffer pigs. Like, <laughs> Maybe it would come from the point of help, but, you know, probably not. Um, I also think it's about, like, intimacy. And there's a part of me that, like, um, I love that Han is a memory. And I and I love that the idea of, like, if you asked Han Solo, if he was passing into the nether regions, like, do you want to exist just as a as a kind of shimmery ghost and tell people about your feelings? And Han would be like, thanks, I'm good. <laughs> I had a good run. I'm gonna I had a good run. I think I made a difference. I think I got through to the kid a little bit. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good with what I got. Yeah. I believe in the force, but nah, no thanks. Yeah. And then uh, for for people that I might be interested in, um, I, I go to very similar places with you. I think in Star Wars canon, it, it it's um, nebulous is I think it it works well being nebulous that there are force aware characters. There seem to be characters who are like, I feel the force. I can't focus or control it to lift rocks, but I feel it. Um, Maz. Kanata kind of says that in Force Awakens, like, I'm no Jedi, but I know the Force, right? Um, right. In Catalyst, I believe, it's Lyra Urso we spend a bunch of time with, who is a researcher of uh, of kyber crystals as well, is seeking them out, that she talks about being very aware of the Force and feeling it. And I think uh, uh, Chirrut and Bays are great examples. So I'd be interested in, in Force-aware characters uh, mm-hmm. maybe stretching the boundaries. Like maybe Laura Senteca just suddenly whispers in Kylo's ear at one point, like, I told you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 that's very that's very interesting. If, uh, I don't think you can retain your existence in the fourth uh, just to be petty. No? Oh, okay. That's, 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 track? <laughs> okay. That's, right. that's, that's my personal take, but um, <laughs> maybe we'll find out something else. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'll side with that. He's strong in the petty fourth. <laughs> That told you so. Uh, any other thoughts on that one? No, beautiful question. Beautiful question. And then I love it. I love not having all the answers about Force Ghosts. And that includes, you know, what George decides to do with it too sometimes in his storytelling. I love that. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I think that's fine. It's like when, yes, when they go on to another adventure, uh, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, final question comes to us from Mr. Haiku. Uh, this is also a question in which uh, the timing matters a little bit. We're, we try to get questions to questions as, as quickly as we can. Uh, but this came in right before the premiere of Book of Boba Fett. And some of it, I think, has already been addressed uh, by the show. 
perhaps, depending on your point of view. But I thought it was a really interesting question, so I wanted to be sure to take it. Uh, here we go, Ken. Uh, Mr. Haiku says, a thought in question about the title Book of Boba Fett. I'm thinking this title might have a hidden purpose idea behind it. In religious writings, text, and in general literature, the book of, or simply book of, generally means the account of, and it's written by someone that maybe heard events secondhand, or maybe they could have witnessed some things firsthand, or have called together a number of circulated myths or stories, or maybe writings that were found, but only parts of the whole were found, or only parts even decipherable. So the question this brings to my mind is, can we consider what we will see in this series as canon? I think the lines are blurred when we watch any Star Wars movie, show, or series on the notion of whether we are there or are we seeing a mostly true historical account of events. If this Boba series is an account of, then by who? Boba himself? Would we even trust this account? Fennec? If Boba is off, let's say? Or someone on Tatooine that has heard the stories or saw Boba in this period but didn't have access to all the underground meetings, off-world events, etc. Just filled in the blanks. What about the Jawas? Are they really simple scrappers or maybe they are junk collecting mini monk scholars cruising the planet in a massive metal monastery that get into every nook and cranny of the planet and transcribes their findings and knowledge into a book of Kells or Codex Gigas-like mega manuscripts? And this is one of many books from those. If we see a flashback of the Sarlacc Pit escape, who would have known those details? Well, I guess it's been implied elsewhere that maybe the Jawas had. So by giving this a title, starting with the book of, are we seeing a screen-related series that throws legend and canon into question? Keep up the good work. So obviously now, uh, spoilers for the first episode of Book of Boba Fett, if you haven't seen it. We did see uh, Boba Fett uh, escape from the Sarlacc, and I think we do kind of have a a sense, uh, perhaps, of the perspective of the story. But I still thought this was a, a really great examination of... Uh, unreliable narrators in Star Wars or narrators in general, different narrators, and the importance of that title. So, Ken, uh, where do you go with this? This is, first of all, Mr. Haiku. This is a wonderful, uh, well-thought-out intellectual question. Very fun. Uh, the Gospel of Boba Fett. is. I love this. If, if in episode two, he turns water into wine, we know we're definitely on to something a little different there. <laughs> Take Star Wars into a sacrilegious territory uh but i also think mr Hiku uh just wants absolute chaos joseph he wants to take <laughs> cannon and throw it out and burn the forest, Kidding the forest. um look uh, this is uh, this is wonderful stuff and I, I i love i think i've grown to love that title uh more than i thought i did when it first dropped on us a year ago the book of boba fett does uh take my mind into um uh, just the historical use of that, uh, the biblical use, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. And and what I think that does for me personally is I, I do take this show as canon. Of course it is. It's not a Star Wars what if. But the spirit of this question is about the spirit of uh, the spirit I like of, of, of how we take in Star Wars and discuss it of just kind of. You know, whether it happens or not, the, the lessons of the tales supersede the takes uh, what takes place in the, itself, uh, which doesn't mean I don't enjoy the tales and enjoy the details and want those to always be the best and want uh, to Star Wars to be the best it can be in terms of just answering those wonderful how questions. But this reminds me of what I'm watching might be, a, like you said, unreliable narrator. It might be part of the story. It might be one perspective. Uh, it doesn't toss out any minor details that were revealed in Aftermath. Um, same with the way they handle Cobb Vanth. It just reminds me that this is a book of, this is a tale, this is an interpretation, and let's just see where it goes. And that's where I go on a very high level with it, surface high level of just like, that's how I sit down to watch each week. This is someone telling this tale of uh, Boba Fett, and uh, that's a spot I like to start in. 
Yeah, I think for me, that's definitely the way I take it. Uh, this is kind of a great preview of the deep dive episode we're going to do later this week, looking at the opening crawls of Star Wars and how they sort of uh, frame Star Wars. I think for me, starting with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it is framed as a story and mm. as not necessarily a historical document, but uh, a tale, a mythic tale, right? So I think all of Star Wars is open to consideration of an unreliable narrator or a history that has been pieced together. Uh, and it, history knows that this event happened, but maybe different. Uh, there are different interpretations of exactly how or exactly when. I think mm-hmm. all that's really a fascinating way to look at absolutely all of Star Wars framed as a story being told. Um, and then within individual Star Wars stories, we haven't, we did it a long time ago. We did a, an episode about unreliable narrators in the story. Maybe we should redo that and look at some of the, you know, active examples. Like I think Palpatine is an active example where he, he straight up lies. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's an unreliable narrator. You know, uh, we got uh, uh, Almec in the Clone Wars saying Jango Fett is not a Mandalorian. And then, you know, we can go like, oh, we know the answer. Star Wars gives the answer. Like, no, Star Wars showed us a character sharing their opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you go to Last Jedi and we see, we actively see Luke and Kylo struggle to tell Rey an objective truth. An event happened, uh, but they're struggling to tell it from any sort of objective perspective. And instead they're communicating it from their perceived truth or their needed truth of this is the way I need to believe that this happened, (laughs) you know, so all sorts of great examples of unreliable narrators in star Wars, as well as choosing to look at the whole thing as narrated, I think opens it up to all these ideas. Uh, All these ideas come tumbling in like Jabba's henchmen into the Sarlacc pit. (laughs) It's just so many in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, I think getting specifically to, to book of Boba Fett, um, I think uh, it's really great to look at that uh, title. Um, we talked about it. I can't remember on what episode, but after uh, it was revealed, the book of Boba Fett a little bit about all the different definitions of book mm-hmm. and what made sense. I, I went back to just the actual dictionary definitions of, of book and I've always yeah. taken it uh, as is so uh, wisely put here by Mr. Haiku is it, it is the, the tale of it is uh, an account of uh Boba Fett um but now that we've seen that first episode I went back to the Merriam-Webster's definitions and there's two that really jump out to me mm-hmm. um one is uh, describing a book as a, a major division or a treatise or literary work uh like the books of the Bible like it it is a, a major division is clear to me because I think there's a possibility as this all plays out that uh within this the tale of this time in the galaxy this is Boba Fett's chapter within it, right? Is it, yeah, yeah. that's still up for discovery to me is, is this going to feel like, yeah, this is a part of the overall tale that started with the Mandalorian. And this is Boba Fett's, uh, you know, chapter, major division. Um, another uh, specific definition of book uh, that jumped out to me is something that yields knowledge or understanding. Examples being the great book of nature. Her face was an open book. And to me, I think that's really the big one is this is Boba Fett's story, but essentially, like essentially, and most importantly, this is the tale of who Boba Fett is. It's like, do you want to understand Boba Fett? Here's the book of Boba Fett to know who this man was. Yes. And what, one of the thing, one of the things that's done for for me, uh, from my perspective is uh, after the, and this is again, after the first 
chapter, the first episode. And on the off chance you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> we'll give another spoiler warning. Um, but Calling it the Book of Boba Fett and all this great uh, stuff that's going into it. You just you just added some additional great information, Joseph. It makes me think of the Tusken Raider stuff less as flashbacks. No, they are. They are in this first episode. But more of just this story that's running alongside this other story in present day. Um, almost to the point of like if suddenly we were to also get uh, young Boba Fett on Camino for a couple episodes flashback <laughs> as well. It all is – I see it less as – uh, again, I can only use the term flashback from from a movie sense. We always make the Wayne's World 2 joke, but like uh, just this entire story of this character's life, this man's life and learning more about him. And it just makes me want to even know more about young Boba Fett, Tusken Raider era, Boba Fett, whatever, and how it all kind of connects to this one book of his uh, of his life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the fact that he explicitly refers to what what we're calling flashbacks in the language of, of visual storytelling, um, he calls dreams. He says to Fank, the dreams are back, right? Yeah. Um, which I don't take as uh, this didn't happen, but I do take it that we were seeing this entire story as events that happened, but filtered from the perception in memory of Boba Fett, which means, you know, if you ask Jawas, they might have a slightly different tale of the events right (laughs) i don't know if they try to spin it so they look better (laughs) yes in their massive metal monasteries love this idea yeah if this is a if you got the java version of the story it's like they conquered this this (laughs) titan that they found half dead on the sand left for dead on the sands of tatooine um i think another element of this is that with boba fett some of his appeal at different points in time has been the mystery Right. So do you feel like there is an interpretation of the book of Boba Fett so far that leaves uh, open the mystery where where a viewer could say, maybe this is canon, maybe this isn't. I am seeing a (laughs) book of Boba Fett, not the book of Boba Fett. Uh, Yeah, I think if you want that. Right. Um, My perspective is someone who does not want that. I, 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 I treat again, treat this as canon, consider it canon. Uh, clearly is, but like, yeah, the, the spirit of the question here, the, 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 the room to wonder is big. So yeah, if, if I think, um, if you want to look at it that way, I mean, you can look at all of it that way, look at the legends and EU books, you can still say it's a, it's a, it's a certain point of view, but they, they go into so much deal detail on Boba Fett, right. In, um, in the, in those EU books. So it might, uh, it, maybe you want to keep that door open for yourself. And that's, uh, that's, uh, your choice there as a Star Wars fan, but I, I, I take it for what it is. Yeah, I think you can always, if you like EU Boba Fett, I think you can just say, that, 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 that's my Boba Fett. That's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. These are stories being told for enjoyment and enlightenment. And if you get it from a different uh, place than current modern canon, nah, that that's great. I don't have any problem with that. Um, this Again, this question was asked before the first episode. Um, so I think it was interesting, really interesting uh, uh uh, theorizing of could we get a version of the book of Boba Fett that is a little bit more, I am trying to spread mystery about who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you half truths uh, and you're seeing some of it from uh, multiple perspectives. So you're seeing uh, interesting events that happened to Boba Fett, but there is that room to wonder which of these is exactly true, which preserves the mystery of Boba Fett. And I think that was a really interesting mm-hmm. uh, possibility uh, before that first episode came out. But now that that first episode came out, it feels like this this is so deeply 
uh, from Boba Fett's perspective that we are literally going into his dreams (laughs) and that this is him reckoning with himself. Yeah, great way to put it. And the other version, kind of a Legends of Luke Skywalker version uh, would have been um, interesting in its own way too. But yeah, now I'm with you, especially the dreams and being able to take the spiritual journey with the man. That's uh, that's where where I'm at with it. Yeah, this is like Boba Fett's uh, <laughs> one-person Broadway show about his history. <laughs> he steps to one side of the stage, spotlight up. Tuscan Raider story over here. Camino. I welcome you into my Bakhtapod. <laughs> yeah, such a great hook left on the sands of Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on this one, Ken? No, Mr. Haku, great question. Everyone always has some wonderful questions. I love uh, the research and, and the thoughts behind this one specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Great questions from everyone this week. Thank you all. That is it for our questions, Ken. That is it indeed. Uh, We are uh, almost out of here. I'll let you know where you can find us and uh, we'll uh, talk here a little bit here. Uh, We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well, where we put audio versions up of the podcast. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are now on Anchor and we're ready for a full year here on Anchor as we head into 2022. Machine, uh, the podcast is available in a lot of different spots, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, and more, including Amazon Music and more on the way as well. If there's any issues, sometimes when you switch these podcasts over to new uh, hosting sites, there can be little issues along the way. Podcasts not popping up in a timely fashion or anything. If you're in the Discord, uh, you guys have already been keeping me updated. Uh, and uh, continue to keep me updated, though everything is running very smooth uh, now. Uh, merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Um, uh, then you can follow me at Kadnapsock and go to my website, kadnapsock.com. And Joseph, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw on all the old social media. And to catch up with other adventures of mine, you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, which has links to lots of things. Uh, Ken, I think in your masterful memory of all of our places, I think you said we're on Anchor now, but uh, oh, we just, are on Acast, right? Uh, yes, I've got to change that in my notes. I've got to move <laughs> forward and let go of the past and learn from it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we loved our time on Anchor, to be clear. Um, yeah, all right. So I mentioned up top of the show, uh, this uh, episode dedicated uh, to uh, uh, our friend, uh, now gone, Zachary Bassinger, who passed away on December 27th. I-, I wanted to tell a little story of uh, Zach and and, and uh, tell you all where you can um, help those uh, that uh, are uh, are here now that he has uh, moved on to the, uh, the next plane with uh, Luke and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and everyone there. January 11th, 2020. Uh, Zach tweeted out um, a series of tweets to me, Joseph, and Force Center uh, tagged us with just some very kind words uh, explaining that uh, he was going through a lot of stuff, going through chemo, but uh, he loved listening and took great comfort in uh, the style in which uh, me, Joseph, and Jennifer over the years have looked at Star Wars, just a positive, uh, insightful look, uh, you know, silly when we need to, uh, but just kind of, and it just meant something. And uh, that number one was, uh, the Zach I got to know after that was uh, such a spirit of, uh, gra- gratitude, uh, even, even in the face of, 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 uh, giant tribulation and spirit of giving, uh, he was going through the chemo battle, but he wanted to take time to let us know, Hey, you're doing a good job. And I appreciate it. And, and I was January, 2020, Joseph was a month after that movie rise of Skywalker came out. <laughs> uh, and that, and for a lot of other reasons, I was home late at night. This was like a midnight 1am my time kind of, I uh, saw this tweet and I was just in a down spot down on star Wars, down on some of the discourse and, and the, the, 
the conversations around Rise of Skywalker and and just some stuff in my own life. And I just, you know, I'll see those tweets and you and I will give a like to them. And, and we love interacting with our, our, our listeners. Uh, you all really do become Force Center friends. But for some reason, that one struck me in a way and I just really needed to hear it at that time. So I actually DM'd um, Zach and just kind of said, hey, man, you know, whatever, want to. Thank you for this. And, and since then, over the course of two years, we struck up a, a, a pen pal like friendship and relationship <laughs> and would write off. And, and, and he um, was battling um, battling cancer since 2011. And I, that term battling, and uh, you know, it is what it is. He's, he had it and he was dealing with it and he was trying to uh, uh, fight for one more day for well over 10 years. And and and. Uh, we ended up, we brought him on Force Center. I brought him on a Spotlight Star Wars and it was released um, during uh, the summer, May, June of 2020, which uh, a lot was going on in the world at that time. If we all recall, the murder of George Floyd happened the very week that he and I recorded this episode and released it. So um, I'd wrote, written him and said, hey, we're, I'm not going to really promote it right now. He understood and we promoted it later. So many of you may have not heard the interview um, and not got to spend a lot of time with it. It is out there and uh Tweet out that link as well. He said so many wonderful things on that show. Uh, and, and, and then we talked about the power of pop and the power of Star Wars and how he and his position um, considered, you know, when, when, when he got a bit of bad news, he kept thinking, I just got to get to Avengers Endgame. <laughs> and then he got there and I just got to get the end of the and, and that was pretty powerful. And um, he talked on the show. He said, I do believe a lot of its attitude. He said, that's the only thing that we're in control of. It's what we bring to the table emotionally. And I think a lot of Qui-Gon stuff, the focus determines reality. And the Zach I got to know, it, again, in the face of just um, a real tough situation, uh, and he and his wife had to leave their lives and, and move back home to, to uh, you know, kind of rally uh, rally around family to to take on this, um, this battle. Um, and he just... He had so much. He had so much peace. He, again, he was giving. Uh, again, fought. And, and, and we talked often about the bad days and the bad news. And I'd go for a while, not hear about him, and then we check in, and he'd update me. Sometimes it was great news, and sometimes it was not great news. And he continued to just kind of uh, uh, find inspiration from Star Wars. And he said this: "I want to share with everyone, and it's in the interview." But I just thought, I just love the spirit of it for what we do here in Force Center. Because um, we're adults, Justin. We're adults. And it's this <laughs> wonderful kids thing. And he talked about, you know, Star Wars for 12-year-olds, the thing we always talked about. And he says, don't write off your love of Star Wars or ever feel like you have to. Because everything that I've ever needed to know about being the person that I've dreamed of being, uh, about being the person I wanted to become, Star Wars gave me that. And every time he'd go into uh, a treatment, some of it... Um, would work some of it wouldn't but every time he'd go in with visions of wedge flying into the death star lando and, and mm-hmm. flying in the death star and taking shots and even as uh as a as an adult uh he was taking those uh the star those star wars comforts with him into it so um zachary was a, a, a beautiful soul and uh i do believe he's uh gone to the next plane like Luke himself with great peace and great purpose and want to just uh, say thanks Zach for, for honoring us with um, your ears for the listens and the great stuff you said. Uh, his brother Michael and his sister Sarah organized a GoFundMe to help support um, his caretakers, um, his wife Chelsea and his mother Lynn. They've been his primary caretakers and uh, during this uh, last uh, couple of years, like I said, they put their lives on on a big giant pause, 
to ensure that uh, Zach had the best quality of care around him. And uh, now that um, they're in this uh, phase of their life, uh, they, they could use a little help. And, and that's why uh, Michael reached out to me. Um, there's a GoFundMe. You can search for it. We're going to tweet out links and all that kind of stuff. And I'll tweet it out too on my personal page. It's support for the Bassinger family. Um, uh, so we're just, uh, every week we here in Force Center choose something to highlight. Uh, this is uh, ours today and specifically uh, mine and Joseph's as well. But um, this hit me pretty hard last week. So uh, Zach, thanks for, uh, thanks for just uh, sharing your life uh, with, uh, with us here in Force Center. Just, uh, um, doing something a lot harder <laughs> than I think I have the courage to face, but I think you find that courage um, when you need to. And a lot of it is, is on the things you grow up on and the things that you uh, learn from and star Wars was big in his life and it is in ours. So uh, Zach, this one's for you and uh, Joseph. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, have this moment. <laughs> I'm, the oh. blub- I'm the blubbery one here, aren't I? <laughs> no, I, you, it is. Uh, it is beautiful that you are uh, showing uh, the true emotion and the true impact. And uh, that is, I remember getting those tweets because you're, you're so right. It was um, a, a rough time in some ways uh, for yeah. For us, I think, um, because you and I found such joy in many other people, but but you and I really went through it together. We found such joy in Rise of Skywalker. And, and yeah. as we always say, you know, everybody has their uh, total right to their opinion of uh, in any story. But there, there was um, the anger towards Rise of Skywalker was really hard for me because I found things in it that I needed. Right. And... Uh, it, it, it felt like it went a little bit beyond. Did you like this one? Did you not like this one? To yeah. don't have hope. It's dumb to think that you'd be pulling that cockpit and people would come for you. Right. It's dumb to think you'd be Ray reaching out and there would be people to answer to say, you can do this. You, you have never been alone. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was a hard time as star Wars fans. And, um, just being around, you know, some of some of the cynicism, some of the apathy, some of the mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars has always been dumb. It's a kiddie thing, you know. Why, you know, every once in a while that that can seep in, and for me, it can get into this. Like, um, I'm not even making this; I'm just talking about it four times yeah. a week, you know. Yeah. And to get a message like that uh, from Zach, that's that's that was a huge gift from him to us to be reminded that not only do I enjoy hearing you other adults talk about the space wizards, <laughs> it, it gives me strength uh, uh, and, and hope and, and joy to hear the discussions about the fun and the ideas. And for me, whenever I'm feeling down on, uh, on what we do, which isn't often, but it, it can, it can sneak in there. Um, when we get a message, particularly a message like that, it is so powerful. And I think I, I, I take that into other conversations that I have with star Wars fans where sometimes they're a little bit negative and I just have to say like, well, I, I have this real gift of doing this podcast where because of it, I get to hear from people who this makes a true difference in their lives. It has helped them through things. And uh, I have not uh, had cancer, but I've had family members and, and friends. I have been, up close and personal to the process, I know um, how much strength it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so for me, it is very powerful to have somebody say, when I am in that huge of a battle, this gives me some strength and comfort during the process of being in that huge of a battle. I just take that so seriously. There, to me, there's just, there's nothing more real in the world than facing some of the hardest thing you can and where do you get strength? And the idea that Zach got strength from Star Wars is the most important thing, but that if, if our discussion of it at all gave him more strength and led to this, you know, great and sincere connection with you, it, that is just, it's such a, a wonderful uh, reason to keep talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to find uh, where this uh, crazy, silly, weird pulp adventure franchise, uh, where it connects with your lives and your experiences. And, and again, who, who we all want to be. And, uh, you know, that's why we don't do thumbs up, thumbs down reviews here. Uh, there's different ways to talk about Star Wars, different ways to take it in. I've con continued to just enjoy and feel rewarded by looking at it as this giant myth that uh, is meant to enrich your life, even outside the world of Star Wars discussion. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that drove that home. Yeah. And that quote that you shared is, is so great. It contains so many ideas about who you want to be as a person. And if you want to receive those ideas uh, the, that way, it, it's so powerful that it can help people. Yeah. Um, in his spare time, uh, when he had it, uh, Zach was a little bit of a, a little bit of a woodworker there. And he actually uh, gifted uh, you and I some uh, work. Um, uh, mine is on display uh, next to my Ewok in my home gym. It is a uh, Game of Thrones and Star Wars crossover House Skywalker uh, uh, sigil. Uh, uh, and I look at it, literally look at it every day. Uh, and I know, Joseph, you, uh, you and your love of uh, uh, rooting against Palpatine uh, turned into some beautiful art as well. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, yeah, when, when it was sent to us, uh, I, I, I propped it up on a, a bookshelf in my bedroom. And so it's a, it's a weird thing that I pass every night before bed. And it is this beautiful, beautiful illustration of Sheev's horrible face. And <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. It is rendered so beautifully. It captures, uh, you know, the the real meaning of Sheev, but also just like the the pop culture fun of he is the the evil the evil wizard representing everything we don't want to be but then it is it's beautifully beautifully rendered on this uh piece of just gorgeous wood yeah and you know for me it's it this isn't uh you know exactly a a scrimshaw the actual carving yeah um but it, it but it's close to that so it has a place to to my heart in that uh it is related to the the kind of artwork that my name comes from Love it. Ah, love it. Yeah. So, uh, so blessed to have that there. And, uh, again, uh, we'll uh, tweet out the link to the GoFundMe set up, uh, by Zach's uh, brother and sister to help, uh, his, uh, wife and mother who, again, the primary caretakers. And, uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, dig in an interview, I just, um, listened to it again, um, which is where I, I, I just hate listening to podcasts I was on and it's sometimes so tough. And I sat and listened to it, not for, um, any words I messed up for the uh, words of wisdom that, uh, uh, Zach honored us with. So uh, we'll see you down the line, buddy. Um, thanks again for all of uh, you Four Center listeners who are, uh, you know, there's more of us, Poe. There's more <laughs> of us. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll see you next time here on Four Center.
imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.